0: when you come in on monday and you're not feeling real well does anyone ever say to you sounds like someone has a case of the mondays no man i believe you get your ass kicked
1: saying mornings are for coffee and contemplation coffee and contemplation Drink the coffee it'll make you feel better sir do you realize that you're not drinking regular coffee but colombian decaffeinated coffee crystals
0: what picture up calms you down, it's the light-blooded drives, the dreams of champions. Now he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last four hours, and he should be all ready to go. I'll, I'll call him up. Welcome to College Football Monday, a Sons of Saturday live show. That's right, this is live. I'm your host, Pete B. I'm going to be coming to you each and every week to discuss everything that's been going on in college football. It's a new show. It's something new we're trying. And also I've never done the live thing on here before. So please be patient. Also, uh, I had a fantasy draft yesterday and, you know, I thought it was a really good idea to drink all day the day before I do the first live show. So bear with me. I I'm, I'm ready to give you the best I got. Uh, but I, I don't feel tip top because I'm an idiot. Let's get into just what happened in week zero, because that's one thing I want to do today. I also want to have a guest on the show. I'm going to be joined by Sam Jesse in a little bit. We're going to talk about his ranking system. And he's from the Locks Pod, so we got to get his take on some Heisman plays, some week one plays, and also just his reaction to what happened this past weekend and maybe some overreactions. And that's what week zero is for. And I think everyone was tuned in to that Notre Dame game. It was the first taste of college football any of us had in such a long time. We've been waiting for it. And the broadcast itself, the quality of the broadcast, I thought was good in terms of a visual. It was pretty, but the actual team that was doing the show, maybe they didn't have their stuff together yet. Just like anybody else, it's early in the season. They seem to be struggling. But what the takeaway from that Notre Dame game was, was that Sam Hartman was sensational. And I saw a couple of the guys that we've had on this show, including Sam, including Mike McDaniel saying that this could be the best quarterback Notre Dame's had in a really long time. And I think Mike even mentioned Jimmy Clausen. Jimmy Clawson only had one good season. And so, yeah, he's, he was good, but Sam Hartman, he's been around. Like we, we knew Sam Hartman was good. And I think the nation really got a view being the first game Playing for Notre Dame now, this man, he's like 24 years old. He's in a six year of college. He goes out there and lights up the midshipman. I mean, this 19 of 23, 251 yards, four touchdowns, a 232 passer rating. Even though it was one individual game, he did play an FBS team and he put up a 232 passer rating, almost a perfect QBR. It was like 97 or something like that. So, yeah, he was really good. And so the question is, is he the best Notre Dame quarterback in a long time? Ian book was really good. And that's something I kind of went back with Sam with saying like Ian book, they just had Ian book. Like they just had a quarterback that led them to the playoff, but there might be a little bit different level of passing the football that Sam Hartman has. And that's, we saw it on full display. And I mean, we saw it two years ago when he took Wake to the ACC title game. That offense was ridiculous. And Wake Forest, call them what you will, but they know how to develop wide receivers. And Sam always had weapons. And now, yes, he's playing with Notre Dame weapons, Notre Dame talent now, but he he was never devoid of talent at Wake. And so I I love what that kid Greathouse did, freshman coming in. That touchdown was awesome. He looks like he's going to be a stud. Estime, the running back, he's he's a beast. They they got guys we know on this team. Chris Tyree, Devin Ford. Devin Ford is on Notre Dame now. Had no idea. But they they got some players. So Sam has a a good cast of characters. And I do think that he's the best quarterback at Notre Dame in a while. I like to get back to that point. He's better than Ian Book at throwing the football. He's better than Jimmy Clausen at throwing the football. You'd have to go back to Brady Quinn, a guy who put up, what, 13, no, 11,000 yards in his career. Sam is the one with 13,000 already, I think. So just in the last two years, Hartman threw for 8,000 yards and 77 touchdowns. It's it's unbelievable. And so, yeah, Notre Dame's had some good players. I mean, they even had Everett Golson took them to a national title game. So they've had their fair share of good guys. And Sam could be the best. And that would be, the overreaction to week one for Notre Dame. Uh, Does it raise the ceiling for them as far as expectations for this year? Not really, not for me, not a guy who's watched him in the ACC. Uh, Athlon had him at 14 coming into the year. The AP poll had him at 13. So the question there is, is Notre Dame now that you see them, even though it's against Navy, are they better than a Tennessee? Are they better than Washington, Texas? Oregon, Utah, Clemson. These are the teams in their same framework that I i, I need to see if, uh, if they're actually better than them. Uh, but the schedule is, it's a Notre Dame schedule. So you've got your couple cakewalks early on, but they do have the USC game and they have to play at Clemson. But USC brings up the point of what they did last Saturday, this past Saturday. They may have an issue on their hands. Alex Grinch's defense gave up 28 points to San Jose state. And before you start telling me that the San Jose state quarterback is the best in the mountain West, he probably is. That's fine. This is supposed to be a national championship level team. And 28 points opening night. When you have a Heisman candidate, a Heisman winner, like you can't, you can't do that. Like, you you got to be able to slow that team down a little bit better. At least Caleb Williams was awesome. 278 yards, four touchdowns, a solid 85 QBR. Is the defense, though, good enough for USC to win it all? My gut reaction and my overreaction is no. Like, they are not a playoff team. Not after what I just saw. But they will improve. Defenses tend to have a harder time at the beginning of the year. In my opinion, it it depends when you have a quarterback that's bring that's back and they bring back all this returning production and whatnot. The defense may be a little behind the offense, and that's clearly the case. Look at USC schedule. If you want to talk about them going to the playoff. The Pac-12 is good. Pac-12 has a lot of good offenses, a lot of good offenses that could put up just as many points as San Jose State did and then have significantly better defenses. They have to go to Notre Dame. That's where the game is with USC this year. And then they have Utah right after that. That is a tough one-two punch. And then later in the year, I think it's just maybe two or three weeks later, they get Washington and Oregon back-to-back. So is that USC team, the USC team we just saw, even though they have the most incredible player in college football probably, are they going to be able to beat Notre Dame, Utah, Washington, and Oregon without going unscathed and then have to play potentially a Pac-12 championship game? I don't think so. I don't don't think they can get through that with less than a loss. They're going to have a loss. It's, I guess the question at that point is, will they have two? I think the PAC 12 is good enough to spread around some losses this year. So they, they could be in contention, but for them to go through that schedule and then win the PAC 12 championship game, I'm not sure I buy it. I'm going to give you my playoff four later in the show. And, uh, (laughs) that was really hard to come up with. I got to tell you, I'm going to do that every week where I give my four as of today, eight I'm going to give you my playoff four and just looking at it and the scenarios you go through in your head, you know, I come up with it and I still end up with four powerhouse teams. It's not like I went too far outside the box. It's tough though, man, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, that sec is, I don't know what's going to happen. And you throw in the fact that LSU got to play, Florida State this week, like that's gonna throw losses around too. And so when I was coming up with this, you you basically have to pick your playoff team. If you think LSU or you think Florida State's gonna make the playoff, you gotta pick who's winning this game this week. And so that that's why it was a real challenge, but I'm excited to give you that later. Other scores from Saturday. Jacksonville State beat UTEP. I know you guys were all tuned into that one. <laughs> that was their first win as an FBS school, and I believe that was Rich Rod team. UMass won a game. I think that was their first win in an opener since 84. I got that from the Cover 3 pod, which they always do a reaction show, and that's excellent. You should definitely check those guys out. Louisiana Tech beat FIU. Hank Bachmeyer makes a a reappearance in that one. He's back. He's playing for Louisiana Tech. He had a good game. San Diego State, the fighting Braxton Burmeisters beat Ohio, and Ohio really could have won that game. Their quarterback went down, Rourke, and – that just sucks. That kid was really good. And then Vandy, they kind of had a hard time with Hawaii and that actually, that that's actually a good time to add Sam here because I know he was all over the action this past weekend. Well, what I'm about to do with Sam is going to be pretty cool because he has come up with his own ranking system and I love power rankings. i going into a season I'm all over, it. whether it's Athlon, SP plus, I used to be a big Phil, Phil Steele guy, not so much anymore, but I love power rankings, and so when Sam decided he was going to do his own, I, I had to have him on the show to kind of go over the article he put up on Sons of Saturday. Let me get him back in here. Hey, buddy. How you doing?
1: Hey, this this should be considerably better.
0: Yeah, I can hear you better. So welcome to the show, Sam. I, I don't know how how you want to be known. Do you want to be known as the guy who does the locks pod? Do you want to be known as the the baseball pod guy? Like what's, what's your claim to fame with the sons of Saturday?
1: That's a great question. I wear a lot of hats. Uh, <laughs> I will be managing a lot of the website content this year. So that's something mm-hmm. that we're going to be revamping a lot. So sons Really, really good stuff going on there. Weekly recurring articles pretty much every day during the football season, which would be really great. And we'll also bring in some around the ACC content as well. So should be a lot of fun this fall. Um, I'll continue to do the Locks of Saturday podcast as well. And then college baseball sneaks up on you. So early February, we'll start to uh, do the hockey ball show again as well.
0: Absolutely, dude. And I I said earlier it's Monday morning. I drank too much yesterday. I smoked a couple cigars. Like I just really like didn't prep myself properly for this. So I am hooked. I do have the coffee, which is helpful. And that's a good opportunity for me to tell you that College Football Monday is brought to you by Compass Coffee with 16 locations in DC and Northern VA. Compass is quickly becoming the go-to cup of joe in our nation's capital. The guys that started this, they were two Marines and they wanted to come up with this coffee that points you in the right direction every day, kind of like a compass. And so right now they're offering our listeners 20% off their first order using code 2DVT. So go to their site or download the compass app. They got an awesome app and load up your cart. And even if you don't live near DC, they will ship you coffee right to your door. And so use the code 2DVT. You'll get 20% off your order. Compass coffee. Great coffee. Doesn't have to be complicated. Are you a coffee guy, Sam?
1: Oh yeah. Big
0: time. Um,
1: (laughs) anything less than a cup a day is trouble.
0: Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I probably drink three, four cups a day. Um, all right, buddy, let's get into your rankings. And I got, I got some slides here. I'm going to pop up in a minute, but what made you want to create your own power ranking system? I, I, I'm like, I've always wanted to do this. And I thought of maybe combining the SP plus and the FPI over the years in my own personal way. Did anybody inspire you to do this? Like what, what got you going? Are you a stats guy
1: always. Well, big stats guy. Um, I, I do have my my graduate degree from Virginia Tech is in data analytics. So I've kind of that's that's my career. My day job is in okay. the data analytics space. But the reason behind this was I follow a lot of these guys on you know Twitter. These statisticians. Um, you know, one of my favorite is. Uh, at Stats of War on Twitter. His name is Parker. Uh, he's a TCU guy, but he's really, really bright. Um, I'm sure you know Warren Sharp. Uh, Sharp's not his real last name, which I feel kind of gullible for just learning that. But yeah, oh, Warren Sharp. I thought it was his last name. <laughs> Everyone did. and I think it like just came out. It's not actually his last name. Uh, he's a great guy for the NFL especially. And I really liked all these guys, and I kind of wanted to like try my hand at doing this. Um, and then I looked around at college football, i think the biggest thing which we'll talk about is there's a lot of trouble with home field advantage kind of baking that into how we adjust gameplay and then i also kind of wanted to do not just where the programs are in 2023 but where the programs are kind of trending towards past 2023 into into 24 and potentially 25 so that was the real uh the inspiration behind doing this exercise I'll, I'll go off the bat. I did not reinvent the wheel with any of this. Um, there are probably <laughs> lots of holes. It's a learning opportunity for me too. But I think I got a lot of really cool insights from this and I hope other people will as well.
0: So yeah, you talked just a, briefly there, but I did want to get into the components of the system because when you come up with a power ranking system, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And you mentioned EPA in the article. Uh, it's a it's great stat. It's something that they incorporate into QBR and a bunch of other things, but it doesn't adjust for quality of opponent. What are some other, like, and you mentioned home field advantage and that's actually one of the ones I I liked best. Like that was here. Let me add this graphic to the screen. These are, these are Sam's home field advantage rankings. And I wanted to know how you went about doing this. Is this just as simple as adding up records?
1: Yeah. Um, no. And the reason (laughs) it's not is because you like, should be better at home than you are on the road. Correct. Like you sh- are going to have maybe an FCS team. You're going to have a couple of gimme non-conference games. Like Over the course of time, like you should be better at home unless you're just a really, really bad program. Mm-hmm. So what really went into this was a couple of things. First off is how were you against the spread at home, which is kind of gauging, all right, how do you overperform or underperform market expectations in these games? Uh, so you're not penalized for losing to Alabama but you could be rewarded for keeping it within two scores, right? Makes gotcha. sense. Another thing that went into is how much better at home, how much better do you play at home versus on the road against similar opponents? So I think a really good thing to bring up is like, let's say Virginia Tech versus uh, Pittsburgh. Virginia Tech plays much better against Pittsburgh at home than they do on the road, historically, over the past, I don't know, Pick out of Big East, I, two I, decades, I can verify two plus that. decades ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> So it's, that's like a really good example. Like that shows that Virginia tech is a better team in lane stadium than on the road. Right. So we bake that into it as well. Also baking into account. Okay. Is this because of, you know, just scheduling quirk or is it because actual fans show up? So we do bake into account attendance over the attendance percentage over the last 10 years as well. So all of this goes back um, 10 to 15 years, depending on the metric. And I think it, I was not super surprised at number one, considering especially I think the last which five is Utah
0: years of how, the which is Utah, uh,
1: the yeah Utah. What surprised me was the the level of how much like higher they were than everybody else. It's it's not particularly close. They're top ten against the spread at home. They're top ten um, better at home than on the road against the same opponents, and they've sold out every game a good while and so they are like what can i point they out also something? play in salt lake city which is like i believe it's actually higher is it higher than denver it might be the altitude yeah, definitely that, plays an issue as well
0: absolutely i noticed the, the oklahoma schools are two and three on this list like that that cannot be a coincidence right like what is um, it about playing in the state of oklahoma that that it is such an advantage
1: well they, they have two really good fan bases uh that's first off um, two really like loud stadiums as well. And I, I don't really know. Maybe it's happenstance, but they're good fan bases. They show up. Yeah. Um, they're two programs that I think over the course of the last decade plus have won a lot of football games, so that goes into yeah. it as well. Um, yeah, true, I, I think true. like you look at this list, like Central Florida is the bounce house, is one of the best home field advantages in college football because you got to kind of contextualize it. Which is kind of what all of this is about as well. Contextualize who they're playing against, right? So Central Florida. Next on the list is is Louisiana State, right? Yeah, LSU. Yeah. Um, Death Valley State. Loud. I mean,
0: the horseshoe. Like the yeah, yeah. Some of these make a lot of sense. Oklahoma plus State just didn't loud. really make sense to me.
1: <laughs> I agree with you there, um, but I would say, like, with Central Florida, okay, if you're Tulsa playing on the road, Central Florida feels like Death Valley, right? Whereas if you're an Alabama fan and you're playing in front of 80,000 plus every week, Death Valley isn't that much different than going to Auburn or going to Florida, right? So contextualizing all of this is part of it as well. So in terms of the teams that they play, Central Florida has a really, really good home field advantage.
0: What I did find most annoying about this home field advantage ranking was Virginia Tech's ranking because it took me a little while to find them on this list. Where are they sitting, Sam?
1: They are sitting... Down here at uh, 26, I believe.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 26. And for Which, for how bad we've been over the past decade, like, is is decent. But, like, you, with what we see on Twitter and people always sharing our videos of Sandman and the jumping and everything, you would expect tech. And probably 10 years ago, they were in the top 15, mm-hmm. in the top 10. And we have dropped considerably. And that's this has been going on since... 2014. I mean, we've dropped a lot of games at home. I've been to a lot of those games.
1: Yeah. Well, I will also point out the, uh, and some more tenured Hokey fans will know this, the end of the Beamer era, the last three or four years, Virginia Tech is actually phenomenal on the road in the ACC. And that kind of carried those teams. So that's baked into it as well a little bit. Look, I think Virginia Tech just hasn't won the number of games. And quite frankly, they've had a lot of big games at home that they've lost. Right. All the Clemson games, the Notre Dame games, the, uh, you know, (laughs) they Duke whiteout game happened. Right. So like, uh, they've lost some, they haven't been very good against the spread in general over the past decade. Um, and and that is a big thing you factored in,
0: into your rankings is that Mm -hmm. how you perform against the spread. And that those are some of the other factors that maybe other ranking systems left out. Is that how you, that you were kind of trying to correct for that?
1: Yeah, and I think a lot of them do uh, one or the other. They'll do just straight-up record. Um, oh, I forgot to mention this. Margin of victory is also in there as well. Okay. That's baked into there slightly. So all that stuff is baked into there. Virginia just, quite frankly, hasn't been as dominant at home as they probably should have been.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I'm hoping that changes going forward. We we definitely have the fan base. You're talking about the Oklahoma schools bringing fans, and like even though we haven't been as good as those teams, we, we sell out a, games every year. Where it's loud, just about every game. Like when it's an ACC game or a pretty big game, like it's there's a hell of a crowd. For for the quality of team, I think our fan base is excellent. So I'm hoping to get that that home field advantage back. Um, You talked about not adjusting for quality of, of opponent. How did you do that?
1: Yeah, so adjusting for quality of opponent is a difficult exercise when you get really nitty gritty which is exactly what I did. I, I'm just pulling up a, a random game from last year. We'll do the, the Virginia Tech-NC State game. So you have the the raw expected points added for um, for the game. And if, if people don't know what expected points added is, it's basically um, – think of strokes gained in golf. It's it's the same exact stat, uh, just flipped for football. It basically just contextualizes the yards gained for the down distance and yard line, so a 10-yard gain from your own 10 to your own 20 is not as impactful to the score as a 10-yard game from your opponent's 11 to your opponent's 1 where you're right on the goal line right makes sense expected
0: points just, added per play <laughs> that's like yeah. it, it, that just think about it like that like you yeah. it makes sense
1: <laughs> yeah and it adds up uh aggregates to the game uh we can create a a margin for that so how many more expected points did you add in that game versus the opponent and then with that we can now adjust that for was the game played on the road or was it at home? All right, it was on the road. How much of a home field advantage does that opponent have? We'll add that into there. And then how good was that opponent? So first off was just kind of how many games did that team win last season, right? And then also you have uh, how was that team against the spread? So uh, the actual top team um, from last year in terms of the the highest a value that they were given as opponent adjusters is actually Tennessee. And that was because they beat the crap out of so many teams last year. Georgia was second, uh, but Tennessee was, was uh, the top one, even though they lost that game to Georgia.
0: So what do your rankings say about Virginia tech this year? How, like, do you think that they beat consensus? Did they come just under consensus or did they kind of match up with some of the other advanced metrics?
1: Well, so I wrote about this in the article, and they kind of this kind of landed a bit dead in the center, maybe a bit on the pessimistic side, and we can go into why that is. Uh, for starters, I just think Virginia Tech is in a really weird spot where they're a more talented team, but metrically you might not see that in the preseason because you did bring in a running back and a wide receiver who are going to be a considerable um, – contributors to this who yeah. are from the fcs level so that's mm-hmm. that is taken into account a little bit somewhere here and there um and you also have a quarterback who is a returning quarterback that really just didn't play that well last year um mm-hmm. you also lose your top runner and Keyshawn king who we know is probably was not the best running back on the team but he was the top uh, runner you lose caleb smith who was the top wide receiver but we all know he really wasn't the top wide receiver and so when you look at metric like tarp which is uh transferring assets and returning production used by action network you start to see man tech is really low in that but then when you look at the roster turnover you say wait they're a better roster this year than they were last year so all that stuff is kind of you have to take all of these rankings with a grain of salt because each case is different i think it says that virginia tech is probably better than a three and eight team but still, probably. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, on average, when you look at college football as a whole, they're probably an average team in 2023, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I don't think they are like the laughing stock of Power Five this year. I, I, I don't. I also don't think they're. Let's just say, if they were in the Big Ten or the SEC or the Pac-12. I, I don't think I'd be predicting seven and five this season. So we'll uh, and we'll get there. But you know, I, I think they are a middle of the pack. When you look at the teams that they're around right here. You look at you see a lot of Virginia Tech opponents. Uh, you see Boston College. You see Purdue right around um, uh, Virginia, a little bit lower. You see Rutgers. You see Marshall. Like they're not that far off. Yeah. So um, the and we're impossibility small decimals here.
0: Yeah the the impossibility of this exercise has to be frustrating, but in like kind of a fun way, especially for a stats guy like yourself, but like fat, with, tr- with the transfers, the way they are, college football was already, I mean, guys like Phil Steele and Bill Connolly, they have, they get, they're pretty good. They get it down to a science. And for a while Steele was killing it in terms of the pro- the projections. Now I feel like it is harder than ever to rank teams preseason do these power rankings and obviously they adjust as time goes on, but trying to nail like who the 10th best team in college football is going to be is harder than ever. And so I do really appreciate you, you getting your nose in there and, uh, and trying to do it because I I don't know how these guys account for everything. And, And if you read Sam's article, like it goes into a lot more detail than we can get into here.
1: Yeah. It's a, um, it's, it's really tough. And I think some of the smartest people in around college football data are working on that. I'm certainly not one of them, but they are working on that. And it is it's an impossible exercise because, again, these are 18 to 22 year old kids. Um, It's really tough
0: to project out. That being said, were there some teams other than Virginia Tech that surprised you in your rankings or were lower than you thought they'd be? Like in terms of the consensus, like how did they compare like what team surprised you?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we'll start with the positives. I'll say the first team that really surprised me was Illinois. Illinois was a really good team last year and they surprised a lot of people. Um, they lost some guys to the draft, but still had them really high. I was 17th in the country in this power ranking. And I was like, wow, that's, that's a little high. They're over under when totals at six and a half. What's going on here? Well, one they've built a really good culture of players and although they did lose some star power they return a lot on the offensive line on the defensive line in the linebacker room um they also have just kind of built a brand of football that is really repeatable right you don't need a star quarterback to play it you don't need an elite defensive end you don't need skill position guys left and right they have a really repeatable um, and viable brand of football to do what they need to do so i think Illinois is a team that once I looked into them and I also saw their schedule and they have what I believe is the second easiest schedule in the Big Ten, according to ESPN's FPI, that's a big part of it as well. They get Penn State at home early. That's a big game. Um, Illinois surprised me. Um, That that was a big one. South Alabama was a team that – played really really well last year they won 10 they're a good games. program yeah they, they're they a are. good program they return a lot they return more than maybe any team in the country uh they were a team that was like I, I completely forgot about this team uh they have a big well, they game they just got to fbs won. like
0: two years ago
1: right i mean they they're did. they're
0: pretty they're pretty new team and they're one of those teams are they in the sunbelt they're in the sunbelt right
1: yes they're in the sunbelt
0: Okay. Yeah. That, that's a, that is such a tough conference for, and uh, in, in my opinion, becoming the best G five conference. Now that they've all been shaken up, I, I feel like Sunbelt and I don't know, maybe mountain West, mountain West is pretty good.
1: Mountain, mountain West. If they can add Oregon state and Washington state will be very fun. We'll see what <laughs> yeah. happens there. Um, now who disappointed you? Yeah, yeah. So disappointing. Um, I was kind of surprised to see Miami outside the top 50 with how well they've recruited. I do bake into Hmm. account the average player rate, average recruit rating for the past two cycles. Miami, a very good recruiting program. Uh, They were really bad last year. I I mean they they were bad. They got really whipped in some games that they should have won. Injuries just decimated that team. I mean they were down to their like third and fourth string on a lot of defensive positions towards the end of the year. So. Miami should be due for a bounce back Um, Rutgers at 117th again a team that just got beat really really bad Um, I knew they were we talked about quite
0: that bad we talked about that when you came on our preview show about how like they weren't an awful team but when they lost they lost bad
1: (laughs) yeah I mean it's it the ball can get rolling real quick um Georgia Tech is also a team I think they ended the season with a little bit of momentum last year but they were still a pretty bad team they came at 99th in this
0: um, so are you are you like trying to get a website up and like be a be a Bill Connolly be a uh, one of these stats guys that can get your stuff published
1: well I think right now it's about tinkering with it to see how I can update it during the year so that'll be interesting um I'll, I'll play around with the week zero scores before I mess around with a full slate on on week one, but my goal is to be able to update this weekly and, and kind of see where teams are moving. And, you know, hopefully this is something that's really repeatable over the next few years. And we can, we can see what it looks like. I'm excited yeah. to kind of build it out and, you know, and keep growing it.
0: Yeah. You're young. You got time to, to get this where you want it to be before you can hop into the Massey composite, but I do want to see you in there one day. Uh, do you think that a data-based ranking system, should be a voting member of the playoff committee. And I say (laughs) voting member in quotes because we don't know how they vote, but I feel like the old BCS where they had a computer ranking VT number one computer ranked team in 2007, just if you weren't aware, uh, I feel like that's something where we should invent, like do again. Like I just, cause you could have 11, 12 humans, but I think one vote should be like some of these analytics and you could Pick whatever system you want, and BCS used to combine Kali and Sagrin and a handful of other guys, and they would average them. Uh, I think they even dropped one at. I, I can't remember how exactly how it worked, but you get me. Do you think that's something
1: they should do? You know, for a twelve-team playoff, I do, and the reason being is because the G five is is very difficult to keep tabs on. Um, you know, it's it's one hundred and thirty plus teams. That's a lot for a room of a few guys in a hotel in dallas to be experts on so we have all this data we have a lot of really smart people who are experts on this team we should probably utilize that because you you see a team like tulane last year who beats uh usc in the cotton bowl Uh, this year i think there are probably three or four g5 teams who i think are not only probably going to have a shot at new year six but could Maybe also win a New Year Six game. Like they're really good team. So when you go to a twelve team playoff, I, I think we don't want to just grab the the shiny team from the lower end of college football, which is unfortunately what it is becoming—the lower end of college football. But we want to grab the best one, or maybe mm-hmm. the best two or three, if 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 that's the case that year. So I do think that would help with the G five level, and I also think it would help kind of sort out the seeding a little bit and give some data points to whatever arguments are made, being made in that, that stuffy hotel ballroom.
0: Yeah, I, you're saying that Condoleezza Rice isn't locked into what
1: South Alabama is doing every week? <laughs> you know, uh, Condoleezza Rice has made a great career for herself, but I'm not sure college football analyst should be at the top of her resume
0: what about Stanford advocate for getting into the ACC? (laughs) That's what it seems like. That's, that's looking more and more likely. Like we're about to get those Cali schools in our conference.
1: Well, you know, a Cal makes sense. SMU actually makes sense. I thought Stanford would be a team that would test independent just because of the amount of money they have in their institution. I mean, they are at the level. You didn't mean that they
0: make sense for the ACC. You mean they make sense that they want to be in the ACC.
1: It makes sense that they want to be in the ACC. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I think – I don't know. I don't know. This is so <laughs> yeah. weird and wacky at this point. I'm just yeah. accepting whatever happens. Uh, Something I just want to be an Old Dominion this weekend. Yes, well, that's true too. Something that Rob and I were
0: discussing is like you got Texas and Oklahoma going into the SEC, already a powerhouse of a conference, adding two more powerhouse teams, at least historically. There's not – there's so going to be so many losses like – that's the thing I don't get about adding these two super good schools. I know with a 12 team playoff, there's going to be a four loss sec team that gets into a 12 team playoff. It's going to happen. It may happen year one,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but even, even four losses. I mean, you, we see what Texas A&M is doing. They've recruited a super high level. They, they, didn't they go seven and five last year? I mean, the, you may Man, be killing worse. your own conference by adding, these schools, yes, you're going to make a lot of money because people will tune into the games, but will people tune in to four and four Texas against four and four Oklahoma in the Red River Shootout? Like I, that to me that lowers what you'd want to watch.
1: Yeah, I think it first off the idea and, and Virginia Tech kind of helped create this in the early 2000s and mid 2000s, but like ten wins being the mark of like if your mm-hmm. ten wins are above, you're a great team. I think that needs to probably be lowered to nine. For SEC and Big Ten teams, just from a math standpoint. And I also think, like you said, it's it's going to we're gonna see some weird records. Like we might see a four loss Alabama here in the next few years. But I also think it really hurts programs like Arkansas, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, absolutely, uh, Kentucky, South Carolina. The uh, they have such an uphill battle in in this new world of college football because I mean, every single weekend they're gonna play one of the top 20 teams in college football. Don't even get me started on what Vanderbilt is going to have to go through. Um, <laughs> yeah. They might yeah, not win a conference rough. game. So it'll be it, it'll be really, really tough. And that's
0: getting back to why I brought that up is because you add Stanford and Cal and SMU. No powerhouse team there. Far, far from it with, with the California schools at this point in time. That allows Florida State and Clemson, if that's what the ACC wants, it allows them to stay at the top. And you don't have as much... It gives more losses for them like to 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 take. And so in that respect, I'm okay with it because it's it's not gonna kill Virginia Tech. If anything, like if we get back to where we should be, we should be slotted ahead of a Cal and a Stanford and an SMU. Mm-hmm. Um maybe if SMU is in a power conference, they will become more of a power. I don't know. But uh it's it's better to me like I don't really want Texas and Oklahoma in the ACC because that no. this means we fall further down the totem pole.
1: Yeah. I think tech is in a weird, and the ACC in general is in kind of a weird spot because numbers wise, they have a lot of institutions. Um, and in terms of football schools that have the capacity to win, it's, they have like six or seven and like, it's not like, like they just all happen to be down right now. Like Miami and Virginia yes. tech, being down. Louisville's a team that can come out of nowhere. NC State needs to be better. I mean, They just need to be. UNC can get, w- will recruit well always. Like Georgia Tech's literally in downtown Atlanta. Pittsburgh is a brand of football in that state. Like the conference kind of should be better. So I think the only real answer for the ACC's viability over the next decade, um, until the NCAA blows up and that's not a thing yeah, anymore, I mean, is for the good football schools to actually be good at football. I think that's the only answer for the ACC right now.
0: And they have, they will have the opportunity as we just discussed, because you're playing in the ACC, which doesn't have more than two powers right now. And we'll still see about Florida state. I think they're going to be good, but like they just got back good again. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there's room for those teams to be good. <laughs> the, the, the thing of the, the California schools adding them also, and this is the last thing I'll say, and we can move on this transfer stuff, this is why Georgia Tech is struggling. This is why Northwestern's going to struggle. This is why Stanford's going to struggle because getting transfers in to those high academic schools is not easy. And we know the portal for so many schools is the way it works now. Maybe it doesn't work for Dabo, but for a lot of <laughs> other schools, that's what they do. Florida State can go out and they can add these kids because let's face it, the academic standards just aren't what they are at Stanford. And so that's another reason you might want to add the nerd schools is because you're, they're not going to be able to be as competitive in college football going forward. In my humble opinion, I don't know if that's going
1: to be true. Yeah, it's going to be <laughs> tough. Um, I'll do maybe, you know, one Napa Valley trip in the fall. That doesn't sound <laughs> terrible. Yeah. Um, it sure beats Durham as a former RDU resident. It sure beats Durham, North Carolina in the fall so uh yeah i'll 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 take a napa valley trip
0: i've been to a stanford ucla game at stanford and the wi-fi hums in that stadium that's what i will say (laughs) there (laughs) we go this was 2013 they had wi-fi and it worked perfectly you could stream on instagram everything like it was amazing um all right we're gonna move to the ap poll and i just wanted to bring this up sam because i went over this with rob a little bit and I wanted to ask you outside of that top 10, there's usually a team that makes a run at the playoff or gets into the playoff. We've seen an unranked team get into the playoff. I believe Mm -hmm. Um, the year Michigan state made it. Uh, Which team outside the top 10 do you think would be most likely to make the playoff?
1: Yeah. So you asked for three. I came up with three, two of them are pretty. I don't, I didn't ask for three. I just needed oh, you to yeah. give me
0: a cup, but like, I think I asked I got you for you three, three. something else. <laughs> okay. Um, good. <laughs> okay.
1: So the, the first one on this list is Texas. And I hate saying that, but you, you know, you chose the, the first t- team, Sam, you went with number 11. <laughs> yeah, I know. But like the talent is, the talent is substantial. Right. Yeah. And they were a, a, probably a better team. They lost a lot of one score games last year. I think they have a, they have a freebie. Baked into their schedule with at Alabama where a loss like doesn't really hurt you I think this team if they're 10 and 2 and they win the big 12 I think they're in just I mean they're Texas so I think that's one uh, I think they're like plus 350 plus 360 to make the college football playoff I think that might be worth it because of the brand they have a little bit more leeway than than pretty much every team uh Notre Dame after what we saw in week zero I know it was Navy But Sam Hartman is an NFL quarterback playing in college football, and we've seen that before where a a quarterback like that can just dominate the game. Defensively, they're pretty good. Uh, They have a lot of skill position players that seem to be – you know, they seem to be finally getting a lot of those recruits to play well on offense. So Notre Dame is a team that I think could also have potentially two losses and make it. They have a really tough schedule this year. And then the third one is not so cookie-cutter. I think there are there are two or three G five teams that if they go undefeated will have a shot, Um, because the SEC is so crowded. You see Tulane on that list. I think Tulane is one of them because of what they did last season. Mm -hmm. They have an interesting schedule. They host South Alabama, who's a very good team, will maybe crack the top twenty five a few times this year. They have them in Week One, and then they also host Ole Miss, who you see uh, ranked up there as well at twenty second. So I think they have. The same kind of formula that Cincinnati had when they made the playoff, that's one to keep in mind. I also think uh, Texas-San Antonio is a really good team in that American Conference. If they go undefeated, uh, they would have a win against Houston and a win against Tennessee. That's kind of the same formula that uh, okay, Cincinnati okay. had. <laughs> yeah, And then um, – yeah, UT San that's Antonio. pretty the much
0: playoff. That would be just in. Hey, like, or I mean, co- even close to the playoff. Like, I was kind of
1: thinking we have. I mean, Tulane has the Tulane UTSA. They're in the same conference, so it's obviously only one of them could go undefeated. Uh, Boise State. They play at Washington. Like those teams who kind of have run their conference a bit. If they have big non-conference games this year, and right. they fit, we, we've seen them say, "Hey, Cincinnati, you can get in if you do what they did." Um, these teams kind of, they have it set up in the same way that Cincinnati did. Just well,
0: so. I got bad news for UTSA because that, uh, that Houston team stinks like that, that <laughs> like Holgo might not make it through the season and and we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens there.
1: Well, Cincinnati's other game was against Indiana who went like four and eight True. that
0: year. That's, that's, that's a good point.
1: That's so good point. it yeah, we, you never know.
0: I like those picks that you had and I I'm with you about Texas. Like I just can't, I cannot be a believer in them until, until I see it. Like I'm just not going to be because Starkeesian for as good and solid as a coach that he's been in the sport. I just don't know if he has what it takes to to get a team to the playoff. They are good, but they did just lose an all world running back. And I know it's a running back, but like he was running back that goes in the top five of the draft. Like that's a really, really good player. And they, I don't know if I can say that Texas is, is the team I I'm, I'm with you about Notre Dame. Like after what I saw, yeah. I know it's, we, we have to caveat with the Navy thing again, but like they got a manageable schedule. They got base. It's basically a two game season. And if they can win the Clemson game on the road, they get USC at home. That's their season. Ohio state at home. They play Ohio state. They play Ohio State the, at home. They're, that's the back, the home and home. Oh shoot, I forgot. All right, so it's a three game yeah. season. <laughs> so okay, they, for- I mean, they
1: have they can lose one of those games though, and that's the thing. And also Notre Dame sneakily, and I hate to say this because I was a little negative on Notre Dame Stadium the two times I've been. Very very good team at home. One of the best teams at home uh, in terms of win loss in college football. So just pointing. Yeah, that that's right. Out there as
0: they, well. they and they hung with Ohio State really well last year in mm-hmm. a game that I thought. I thought they might've got their doors blown off and being Marcus Freeman's first season and everything, but they, they hung mm-hmm. Utah would be a team for me that I, I worry about cam rising. If I knew what his status was going to be a hundred percent, I would have Utah as my flyer team outside the top 10, and I think could crack the playoff, but uh, we'll leave it there for now. Let's talk some Heisman odds, buddy. Uh, you are the locks guy. And so here are the Heisman, uh, I got them up on the screen. If you're watching mm-hmm. on YouTube, which you should be, because we are live on YouTube for our first show of College Football Monday. What do you think are some of the best value plays on this screen? I le- I, ca- I capped it at plus five thousand because <laughs> beyond that, you were just getting silly. But uh, even even plus five thousand is a little silly. But
1: that's what yeah, we're yeah. Well, do. <laughs> let's talk about a plus five thousand real quick. Blake Corum, um, he's I like it. Really, really good. That's going to be a run-first team. They are deep at running backs, so I'm not sure the workload he will get in some of those blowout games. But Blake Horm is, I, I think, could be the best running back in college football. Running backs haven't done well in the Heisman recently, but I think if a guy is going to, it would be a guy who's on the national championship caliber team. His quarterback, J.J. McCarthy, is set up, I think, in a similar way that Joe Burrow was set up. Obviously, maybe not for that season but you know everyone around him is so so good if he takes the next step in his development they could be a national championship team uh, i personally and i i'll say this on I'll, I'll put this on record i do have michigan win the national title this year Um uh, okay plus 850 right. on Fanduel. Um <laughs> is it still plus 850 right now it's still plus 850 on fan okay so um okay. I have them winning that, so that's where I'm going with them. Sam Hartman, we talked about Notre Dame. This is a Notre Dame podcast, apparently. I know yeah, our apparently so. Brett Smith will be upset. It was about the that.
0: only like game. It, everyone <laughs> was true. watching that game, and it was, it was the only Week Zero game that was of any real interest.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some other like really good value guys. Um, you know, Marvin Harrison Jr. could I was going to say that really one. stupid I, numbers. Yeah, um, it's particularly yeah. because Ohio
0: State doesn't have the star QB this year. And normally, like if you bring back your quarterback and everyone's expecting a lot of your team, and then you go to the championship game or, you know, you you go eleven and one or whatever it is, the quarterback's going to be the guy who leads. Well, last year everyone saw how effective Ohio State was when Marvin Harrison Jr. was on the field, and so for me, like that is the play. Like the, the, if I'm, I'm picking off of this screen, Blake Corum, I really like that play because I also really like Michigan, and you're going to see a little bit of that in a second, but um. But yet, the, the you to win the Heisman, your team basically has to go eleven and one or undefeated. I mean, you have to be in the hunt. Uh, it's very rare to get a winner that the team isn't competing for the national title, or in this day and age, in the playoff. And so, Blake Quorum, I like the pick. My, my pick would be Harrison. I, those quarterbacks behind Caleb Williams, like just pick, just go for Caleb Williams, and 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 do the plus five hundred because. Quinn, Quinn Ewers or Jordan Travis, like, I don't just go with Caleb. He's going to put up the numbers. Sam Hartman will put up numbers and he moved Mm -hmm. from plus 1800 to plus 1600 after the game, I believe. Mm -hmm. And so just a little bit less value on Hartman, but still good value. Penix jr. If Washington was very good offense last year, their defense wasn't great. And if their defense isn't great again this year, that could benefit him because he's going to be throwing a lot.
1: Yeah, Washington is a really interesting team. Uh, I actually have them at 7th in, in the ranking system. Uh, they're number one in TARP in the country, which, again, is transferring assets and returning production. So it's the production you return combined with what you brought in through the transfer portal. Uh, they're number one in that. They've recruited at a well above average clip over the past two years. They dominated teams in, in points last year. Like they're a really good team. Defensively, they should be better. Um, My fear with Washington is there are so many toss-up games in the Pac-12. With Michael Penix, I think if they lose, if they even go like ten and two, I think from the voter standpoint, he's just done. Um, And I, I don't see two West Coast players back to back.
0: Yeah. I mean, the Pac-12 has four really good quarterbacks Mm -hmm. at the top Mm -hmm. of that. You know, obviously don't see Cam rising on this list, but he would be the fourth. uh, But you see the three other guys. Yep. I'm taking Drake May. Don't don't do the Drake May play. That's 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 just the one thing. I'm not telling you not to. I'm telling myself not to because UNC's defense isn't good enough. And I don't think they're going to be good enough to be in a title hunt, even to be in the ACC title hunt. And so if he if he can't do that, he might put up stupid numbers because of that poor defense. But I don't think his team will have the record for
1: him to to win the Heisman. That's all yeah, right. and yeah. Dr- I mean, he's he's like reincarnate. He's literally reincarnate. Sam Howell. Like they're going to have the same career. They're both really talented. They'll probably both do really well in the NFL for themselves. But I I don't see it with UNC this year. I I, I just don't. And he low key. He struggled the last
0: few games. He started he the year so freaking hot, and and ever became like the darling of the ACC in terms of quarterbacks because so many other quarterbacks in the ACC fell flat on their face, like Devin Leary and and uh, Van Dyke. It was there was a lot of them that just didn't play up. Jerkovich that didn't play up to snuff, and so Drake May was hotter than hell killed it Q- Q- QBR rating. Everything was through the roof, but his last three games came down to earth just a little bit. And they, he lost his OC and it might not be the same exact Drake may. And you'll remember Sam Howell. he came to Blacksburg after all that hype, after a couple good seasons and he got his butt kicked and that season wasn't great for him. And so I think you're right. It could be a, a mirror image there going on. Yep. All right. Let's move to some plays for week one. You're the locks guy, Sam. And there's a lot of good games this week. Let me get this off the screen. We got Florida at Utah, Colorado mm-hmm. at TCU. I know that's kind of not going to be a good game, but it's going to be of interest because it's going it's to be beyond.
1: entertaining. Grab your <laughs> yes. popcorn for that. One.
0: <laughs> West Virginia at Penn state. I had to throw mm-hmm. on the list just because Penn state is, they have high expectations this year. It's a team we haven't discussed much, but they're going to have a shot at the big 10 title. Uh, and West Virginia sucks, and I want to see them get killed. And then UNC versus South Carolina, that's in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. The big opening game there. We're going to see that. Drake May against Shane and the boys, Spencer Radler. South Carolina, two-and-a-half-point dogs in that one. And then LSU versus FSU. These are the four games I'm kind of highlighting It's just the fun games to watch. Uh, that one's in Orlando, too. It's not in yeah. Tallahassee.
1: So it's basically so, a home we, game
0: for Florida it, Yeah, it's a neutral site, but there will be LSU fans there for sure. Oh, yeah. A uh, lot of them. And so you don't have to pick those games, but are there, are there any of your f- favorite plays out there for the weekend?
1: Yeah, well, we'll start with Florida state LSU. I think that's the game of the weekend. Um, I think this is an interesting one because Florida's what Florida state is good at LSU is bad, at. right? Mm-hmm. So LSU has a lot of question marks in the defensive secondary and in defense as a whole, they've had kind of had to patchwork that defense together. They have some star power on the front seven, but They're not very deep. Um, They've had to go to the transfer portal a lot. Even Brian Kelly has said multiple times this offseason that he doesn't feel like the defense is ready, and they're going up against a really well-oiled machine on offense with Jordan Travis. They have a lot of weapons. They have a lot of mismatches. I think Florida State just matches up with LSU really well in this game, and they're two-and-a-half-point dogs at what's virtually going to be a home game in Orlando. LSU outplayed them. Big time last year, yeah. But mistakes killed them. I think, I, I think Florida State kind of knows they got away with that one with some special teams flops. I, I like Florida State in this one. I, I think they just match up really well. So uh, they're plus one twenty-two on the money line. Um, you know, take two and a half points, take the money line, whatever. Uh, I, I like I like FSU in that game.
0: Yeah, and I'm happy to hear that because I'm high on FSU this year. I think they're going to win the ACC. And I think they can pull that one out too. LSU, I don't know if they're going to be able to capitalize on what they – because they outperformed last year in in year Mm -hmm. one. And that has raised the expectations. They're right outside the top four of college football right now. and Some people are picking them for the playoff. That is a – it's a tough division. It's a tough conference. And will they be able to meet and exceed the expectations they had last year?
1: Yeah, what's uh, what interesting some... with LSU too is they were good, but they had some they had some stinker games. Uh, they they played really poorly against Arkansas. They played really poorly against Texas A and M down the stretch. Like they were good at some points, especially the Alabama win, but they were also not good at, at some games that you expect them to win. Did you have any other plays for us? Yeah. So uh, an interesting one, and this is like so on brand for me, I'm going to go out West for a couple Colorado state plus 12 and a half at home against Washington state, Colorado state brings back a lot. They finally are healthy at quarterback. Washington state is a team that just, they're very, very mediocre. I think 12 and a half points is way too much for a home opener for Colorado state. I like 12 and a half there. And then Hawaii is four-and-a-half point dogs to Stanford, who might be the worst Power 5 team. Um, you Hawaii love the bows, looked, man. <laughs> I do. They look vastly improved. Uh, they did. That they they did. could have won that game. Um, Goal-line interception hurt them. That's a tough road trip. They already have a week of play under their belt. Uh, Schrager looked really good. I think he was like 27 to 35. I, I think four-and-a-half points at home is is a little bit much. I like Hawaii maybe to win that one outright, but definitely with four and a half points. And we talked about them again. Uh, Texas San Antonio, one and a half point favorites at Houston. I don't love that that game is on the road as an opener, but Houston is a team with a lot of roster turnover going up against a UTSA team. Quarterback Frank Harris is really good dynamic quarterback. I think there's just, it's continuity versus new guys. I'll take continuity anytime in the week one.
0: Yeah, I I like fading Holgo and Houston. Uh, They may get the win, but well, UTSA, they gave them hell last year, and uh, I think they are gonna gonna do it again. So, um, what's your what's the game you're looking forward mm-hmm. to watching the most, other than ODU, Virginia Tech, of course? Is there is there a game that you really just want to tune in for? You mentioned the popcorn for Colorado. Is that what what's going to be?
1: That is, you know, I'm a I love the actual sport of football very very much, but I maybe love the the drama and the weirdness more. And there's nothing more dramatic and weird than a TCU team coming off a national title appearance, playing against one of the worst power five teams in the history of the sport and their head coach, Deion Sanders. Um, (laughs) That doesn't make a lot of sense. And if I would have told you 365 days ago, that sentence yeah, you right. <laughs> and that's happening, and I just think that's incredible. Um, the Florida State LSU game just is going to be a phenomenal game. One great uniform matchup, maybe can't yes. get better. Uh, that's a good one. And then Tulane uh, South Alabama is a really interesting game. Like, if this is a twelve-team playoff year, that might be a de facto win. In you're in playoff game, so that's that's a very interesting one. Uh,
0: I really am looking forward to the Florida at Utah game. Uh, yeah in salt lake and and that you talk about colors like the blue and the red and that environment's going to be crazy i know a lot of florida fans are probably traveling out there for the game and last year that 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 utah florida game went kind of wacky and not Mm -hmm. the way some people were expecting and so i think uh utah wants a little revenge and they're going to be at home and if they are going to be in the hunt which I think they're one of those flyer teams that could be, they got to get this win and they got to do it. I mean, Napier, he's been hotter on the trail and getting a little bit more hype as of late, a little bit more love from the Florida fans, but it didn't start off great. And so this is a te- this is a game I think Utah really needs to win. And the fact that we haven't heard exactly about the QB uh, is the reason I think this line is where it is.
1: Yeah, I don't think Cam Rising plays every snap. Um, I, I, I'm blanking on the backup's name, but they feel pretty good about his ability to hand the ball off to their stable Mm -hmm. of running backs. So I think they might just do that and and really test a revamped Florida defense.
0: Okay. I want to keep you around here for just a couple more minutes. I've already had you on here too long, Sam. I I apologize, (laughs) but I do want to get your playoff four as of today, after I give mine, which I will add to the stream. All right. Here's Pete's playoff four. I like Michigan too, buddy. I, got, yep. I I think they, they, they have the lines of scrimmage covered. They're a nasty team. Harbaugh, as much as you can hate him, like he's a really good coach. And I think this is the year that they are the number one seed. That doesn't necessarily mean I think they're going undefeated. I think any of these teams could catch a loss, and maybe all of them will. Georgia's will not be in the regular season. <laughs> I had to throw <laughs> Georgia into, into the four, but... Their regular season schedule, it, they could walk to 12-0. and 0. I mean, it's going to be – it's such a, a weak schedule for such a good team, despite having all the guys drafted the last two years. I think they're going 12-0, but I don't know about the title game. And so right now I have them I, – I put them at two because I think Michigan's going to look good and dominant. I don't know what Georgia's going to do in that title game versus an Alabama. Uh, maybe versus an LSU, but I, clearly I think Bama's good because they're my four. And then Florida State, I like. I said I was high on them and this is how high I am. I have them. <laughs> maybe, maybe I smoke too much because I got them at number three. I think they're going to take care of Clemson, maybe take care of Clemson twice. Uh, maybe they lose the first one and win the second one. I, they, they can't get in unless they win the conference, mm-hmm. but they, they're going to beat Clemson at least once and I like them to be in the playoff because I think the Pac-12 schools, you'll notice they're absent One is because I don't like what I saw from USC's defense, but two, I think those teams are going to beat up on each other. Mm -hmm. I think that's a really tough conference at the top. And so this is my playoff for Sam. And I had, let me just say this on Alabama. I didn't want to put them in there because (laughs) of the quarterback issue. I really didn't. When I first saw the AP Palma, they still got Bama at four. They don't even have a quarterback they, they love. And then I go through it and I go through the mental exercise of like, okay, who's playing who, when is this going to happen? LSU, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, I'm putting Bama in. I, I like I just I didn't know what to do, man. So I threw I threw yeah. Bama in there. What do you guys are for?
1: Well, while we're talking about Bama real quick, uh their win totals at 10 and a half for this season at about plus 150. A really, really high value for a win total. Mm-hmm. Um interesting. I would that's a lot of value to get on Alabama. Might be kicking yourself if you don't take that one, even though they do have quarterback <laughs> issues. Uh we are virtually the same. I have Michigan 1, I have Georgia 2, I have Florida State 3, I have Texas 4. Oh, um, okay. I, I think Georgia loses. I don't know where it will be. My guess is that Tennessee game in Knoxville. Um look, you don't you just don't win 36 regular season games. You don't.
0: I didn't think they were going to do it two times in a row. And now I'm I'm looking at the schedule and I'm like, they could do it a third time, but you're right. But uh,
1: it just doesn't happen in this sport. The statistical
0: likelihood is low. And I agree. And And look what happened against Missouri last year. I mean, they almost lost that game,
1: mm -hmm. even though
0: as good as they were.
1: Yeah, I think uh, Florida State gets in as one loss ACC champ. Uh, I think they might lose drop that first game against Clemson and get some revenge. Um, And then we talked about Texas. I, I just think they have a little bit more leeway with how the schedule sets up and also the fact that they're being texas all
0: right buddy let's do a little vt corner before we sign off what are you feeling i mean all off season we have different feelings about how the odu game is going to go we have the fear we you know you wake up in a cold sweat thinking about ali jennings from last year well now he's on our team and so what are you feeling about this odu game coming up
1: well i'm going to be recording the uh I'm going to be recording the game preview with Billy Ray Mitchell, who is at the bottom of our screen that yeah, right here, uh, <laughs> recording the that this evening. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I just, I feel really good about it because old Dominion should be pretty bad. Uh, they lose, a, they lost their starting quarterback, starting running back, starting wide receiver. There's some turnover on the defensive secondary. They had to reshuffle their defensive line. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a, They should struggle this year. And I think Virginia Tech is just markedly better. They're playing at home. I think there's a bit of revenge on their mind. I like that game a lot for Virginia Tech, but it is the same. Like I feel so nervous about it. I think Mm -hmm. like my whole family getting ready to go to the game, I think, is like coping by over planning the tailgate (laughs) as a way to like to like ignore the actual game like the fear we,
0: yes <laughs> yeah
1: i mean we're we're way over playing this tailgate dude and i i think it is i think a large part of it is because like we don't just want to roll up to that game like you yeah. got to make the day something else it will be interesting and uh
0: yeah i got a reality check when we were having our conversation with spencer hall and i said i showed him the schedule and i'm like hey find three wins for us on this schedule and and he mentioned one, he mentioned another. I'm like, what about the ODU game? He's like, nope, <laughs> like not, not picking that one. I'm like, oh God. <laughs> and like, it's, you just, we're at home. They're, like you said, they have the turnover on ODU. I don't know if you've done a deep dive on this. It is insane. There's like 58 new players on their roster. It like, which sounds preposterous, but it's the truth. And I'm, we gotta beat this team. It's a first-time starter in FBS and Grant Wilson coming in. I did.
1: It's a first-time time starter in college
0: time, football. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and, and and it's in Lane Stadium at night. Like that mm-hmm. is not an environment I'd want to be in if I were him. And so let's make it hard on him and let's go out there and beat their ass. I I I said on the um, on our last episode, my hot take was like, you got to beat this team by fourteen points. That's the barometer for the year. And if you if you come close or you lose, which is like would throw Virginia Tech fans into DEFCON level. Like, I mean, the, the, whatever the height, whatever the, I want, is it one? Does it lower? That's worse. <laughs> it's, I think it will
1: be nuclear fallout. Like the bomb yes, would have been yes. dropped. Yeah.
0: So we cannot have that happen. And you really, I don't want to be in a hell game in the fourth quarter. Like I, I can't take it, man. I can't mm-hmm. take it. So we got to go out there and put a hurting on them. Give them what they deserve after last year. And I'm hoping that's the case, but thanks for being here today, buddy. Did you have anything you want to plug or talk about? You just, you said you're recording tonight.
1: Yeah, We're recording the, this, uh, game preview tonight. That'll be on the Suns of Saturday VT feed. Uh, we'll also have locks of Saturday up probably Wednesday morning, uh, previewing week one, uh, that'll be locks of Saturday on Spotify. That'll also be on the Suns of Saturday YouTube page. And then, uh, follow me on Twitter at Sam of Saturday where I'll be updating this power ranking week by week, talking about it a little bit. Also some weekly uh, against the spread picks, not gambling advice, just stuff I see. <laughs> well, thank you, Sam. And we are going to be doing this show every Monday. You
0: will get me. You won't always get Sam. We'll, I'll have different guests. I'll be by myself here and there. Probably have a lot of the other sons on throughout the year. But make sure to like the video, subscribe and tell your friends to tune in monday morning at 9 a.m and it really shouldn't be an hour every week i just once i got sam going we just kept going and going but anyway thanks for joining me today see you next monday see you pete see you buddy